Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Menas, and I'm here to wrap up day three of the first test, New Zealand hosting Australia in Wellington. And I have a guest from across the Dutch, as they say. Um, I'm joined by Adam Bell from the Cricketeers podcast in New Zealand, and we spoke after the first day. Adam, how are you? I am good. And yourself, Minas? Yeah, doing really well. It's been a, a great couple of days for Australian cricket since we last spoke. Um, so Australia started today two for 13. Um, they were in the lead and then they were all out for 164, which set New Zealand at 369 to win. And New Zealand ended the day three for 111, a further 258 runs to win for the Kiwis, which would be a test record for them. Adam, we'll, we'll get into detail, but I just want to ask you, do you have any hope that your team can pull this off or, um, or you know, do you have anything that can rattle my confidence? Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess the fact that Ravindra is 50-odd not out at the end of day of the day's play, uh, he's with Daryl Mitchell, and we've still got Tom Blundell and Glenn Phillips to come. Um, I know it's a, it's a, it'd be a tall order, but Ravindra would have to play an innings probably akin to, to what Cameron Green played um, in, in Australia's first innings. But, I mean, look, there's, obviously there's still hope. I mean, if Australia would have got over 400, I think that would have really, you know, shut the gate on New Zealand. But I think because of the momentum that New Zealand gained from bowling out Australia cheaply, I, th- I think even though they're three down at the end of, end of the day for 100 and, what was 111, I think it was, um, they they are, they probably still feel as if they're in the game, especially with so many, uh, well, with two days remaining. So, so you believe a little bit. There's a little bit of hope because, you know, it's the hope that's going to get you, Adam. Yeah, I mean, the hope always gets us against Australia, though, doesn't it? And, and I've also, you know, watched the New Zealand side be in strong positions against Australia throughout my lifetime. And it's always, um, you know, a McGrath, a Warren, 
a Cummins, someone of that ilk coming coming back to to take that vital wicket and turn the momentum of the game. And and I, and I thought when Australia got Kane Williamson out, you know, I thought it was it was obviously a massive wicket. He's arguably the the best batsman in the world at the moment. But you know that partnership from Ravinder and, and Daryl Mitchell again got Kiwis hopes up. So I mean, if they can bat for another, get another hundred runs on the board. I know that's a tough ask against a quality Australian attack. You never know. Yeah, well, it would be some victory if the Kiwis can pull it off from here. It would be a famous victory. And, you know, I said at the end of yesterday's play that sort of the best the Kiwis could hope for after conceding a 204-run first innings lead is to bowl Australia out for sort of 150-ish and and give themselves a chase around 350 to just give them a sort of outside chance. So they've certainly kept them in the game and it was led by an unlikely hero, Glenn Phillips, taking five for 45. Um, He ran through the Australians. He got um, Kawaja, Green, Head, Marsh and Carey all out today. So that was a sensational performance from Glenn Phillips. He's made in first-class five-wicket haul. And I couldn't believe this, Belly, that it's his, the first five-wicket haul by a Kiwi spinner in New Zealand for 16 years. That, that was a crazy stat. I mean, unsurprising. I mean, our pitchers don't tend to turn a great deal. Um, and they, they definitely don't tend to be pitchers that break up um, on the fourth and fifth days, a la like in Australia or in the subcontinent and other places. So I'm not surprised because New Zealand selectors haven't really put a lot of faith in spinners um, over the last decade. Um, so that is surprising, but unsurprising. I know Jean, uh, not Jean Patel, uh, Ajaz Patel was given uh, opportunities for the Black Caps, but was unable to really deliver with his performances. Uh, Mitchell Satner, you know, is. He's been part of, of the test team, but hasn't really set the world on fire, um, especially on you know on the fourth and fifth days. And as I said, it's generally due to the conditions in New Zealand. So one of the great things about the, this Basin Reserve pitch, on day three, the ball was turning and bouncing, and I, it, was, it was it was remarkable, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Now let's just go back to the start of play. So day two ended with Tim Southey dropping Nathan Lyon off the final ball of the day off Matt Henry. And then I thought Nathan Lyon played it absolutely perfectly today. He thought, well, I think he thought, I'm just going to rub some salt into the wound here. I'm going to come out and play my shots. And that's exactly what the scorecard needed for Australia. And Lyon dashed to 41 or 46 deliveries, gave his highest test score of 47 a nudge. He had six boundaries. And, look, although he was a bit streaky, I thought he, he played the situation perfectly and he allowed Kawaja just to settle in at the other end. Yeah, absolutely. And I always think if you have a, a night watchman, make the average or above they've actually really done their job um and and i think nathan lyon played it perfectly he he was dropped as you said on the last ball the second day he rode his luck and i think from his perspective any bonus runs that he got then was an advantage for australia and he and he put australia into a very good position and unfortunately for australia um and as as we'll probably talk about um later they couldn't really capitalize on the great work that nathan lyon did yeah, I think Australia would have liked 50 more runs, but I think I think it seemed to me their attitude was let's not just get stuck here. Let's just try and keep the scoreboard moving because 
they had such a daunting first innings lead. They just need, you know, they, they do, with their attack, have enough runs at the moment to defend. It's just whether they're good enough to do it. And, you know, unless, you know, Ravindra plays an innings of a lifetime or a Glenn Phillips, but they're probably just 50 runs short. Uh, so Lyon gets out, just trying to whip one away off Henry, caught it mid-wicket. He goes. Then Kawaja uh, is stumped trying to take on Phillips. Um, unusual shot from Kawaja is normally so patient, but he was out for 28 off 69. So, you know, that dismissal kind of showed me that the Australians thought our best method here is just keep the scoreboard moving. And even if we do get up bowled out for what they did, 164, you know, we've got a big enough lead anyway. Um, so he goes. Um, and then so Australia go to lunch four down, but they scored 100 runs in the first session. So then the leads, you know, up over three, almost 320 already then. Um, so, you know, New Zealand are on the back foot, but boy, did they hit back after lunch. And, you know, it was a cavalcade of wickets. Head was out um, off Phillips, falling for the trap, caught it deep mid-off. Then Mitch Marsh was out very next ball, caught it um, short leg, just a bat pad. And then Carey was out this time. Um, well, same same as the first innings, just smacking one straight to cover. And then... Um, Green was the next player out. Again, caught a good catch, actually, at short leg um, off Glenn Phillips to give Phillips his maiden five-wicket haul. You know, that was a dominant passage of play for New Zealand, and, you know, it's given you this faint flicker of hope, hasn't it? Absolutely. Um, And I do think there was a few rash shots along the way from Australia. Um, You know, Marsh got a pretty decent delivery, first delivery, Played with hard hands, you know, caught it short leg, but I think you know Travis Head playing that shot, um, you know, he was looking really good. He, he's been a bit scratchy lately, um, and and when I was following the game and 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 I saw that he was getting going, I thought, well, this could be his day today. You know, if he gets at fifty or sixty, suddenly it kind of shuts New Zealand out of the game. But you know, he was a little bit impatient. New Zealand, I think, set the right fields for him. Um, and they knew he was playing aggressively, and unfortunately, as you said, he he fell for the trap. Perry is, to to be honest, it was a poor shot in the circumstances as well. But you know, again, that's the way he plays. He's a guy that wants to play aggressively, and we have to remember this is a guy that you know played a, a very very good innings against the West Indies that got Australia out of trouble playing in a similar manner. Um, so I, I feel as if the kind of the modern attitude to playing aggressive cricket and, and getting out of soft dismissals is, well, that's the way they play. So I kind of can understand that. Um, but in the circumstances, you know, Kerry getting out at that point um, really did turn the momentum in New Zealand's favour. Yeah, sort of. I think it indicated Australia's intent to score quickly and not get bogged down, and it, it didn't really work out. Do you have, I don't know if you've seen much of Josh Inglis, but I think there is starting to be a few murmurs that Alex Carey's form has been a bit patchy. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a terrific cricketer. I do think Josh Inglis is a very good cricketer too. You might have seen him during the World Cup, but he's breathing down Carey's neck, so he wouldn't want too many more of these quiet test matches. I've watched a, a lot of Josh Inglis in the BBL, um, and I've seen how explosive a batsman he is. And he got that um, what, that T twenty hundred in, in India, and, and he's starting to make a, a name for himself in the short forms. Um, I've only 
seen his averages in, in first-class cricket on, on Crick Info, so I don't really know how good he is in the longer form. But, I mean, he's definitely someone that if, if he got going in the test arena, he'd be a great asset for Australia. And, you know, he's shown great temper, but in international cricket, the innings that he played in the World Cup semi-final against South Africa was testament to that. So, if, if you know, if Kerry continues to under-deliver, I think you've got a, a very interesting prospect in, in Josh Inglis waiting in the wings. Yeah, Inglis is a good red ball cricketer, is he? and he could be a very good counter-attacking number seven. S- similar to Carey, but uh, I think he does play slightly more aggressively and plays all the shots. Um, but so, um, yeah, Phillips. Did, okay, so the commentators on um, ABC Radio were were saying, "Oh, Phillips is underrated as a spinner. This is uh, this is a real testament to all his hard work and blah 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 blah." I mean, do you do you think this is anything more than a part timer having a good day? It's a really interesting question because his bowling has really come on so quickly. He he was a he had a big part in, in New Zealand's um, series in Bangladesh. He bowled superbly well. So I, I think he's now more than more than a part timer. Um, I was listening to the Final Word podcast, um, and I think it was Cam Ponsonby was talking about how much work. Glenn Phillips puts into his bowling, and I think it was Josh Philippi that was saying how much rip he gets on the ball. So, I think I think he is now more than a part-time bowler. I, I know we've seen guys like Joe Root and Michael Clark have these aberrations where they have this incredible day, and um, where they take a big bag of wickets, and they are still considered to be you know part-time bowlers. But I, I genuinely think in the New Zealand setup that Glenn Phillips could could actually be more than just a part-time bowler. And I think he sees okay. himself more than just a part-time bowler as well. Well, I mean, he becomes a bloody good package for this New Zealand team. If you can have him and Ravindra in your top six and bowling spin, then you can you can play four bowlers. You've got two all-rounders. It's it, it makes for a very balanced lineup. And just Phillips himself, what a what a prospect he is with his power hitting, bowling spin, great in the field. Okay, so you you think there's a future here for Phillips bowling? I like it. Um, as as an all round as an all round package, yeah, it, it, it's funny. I was thinking about who Phillips reminds me of, and he kind of reminds you a little bit of Andrew Simons. Um, obviously not in stature, but just that kind of aggressive batsman, someone that that gets vital wickets, that brings loads of energy, and is an outstanding fielder. Um, so he you know he could play that role for New Zealand in the future. Okay. Good one. Uh, so, so then um, after Green was out, I, I, I do have one criticism for Green in this innings, and it's hard to criticise someone who made 174 not out in the first innings, but he made 34 off 80, and when he got out, I would have liked to have seen him get out trying to hit a six at this stage of the game. The, he, you know, the tail was with him. Australia was a long way in front. I think him poking around. Probably wasn't the right time. He could have just tried to hit sort of 15 or 20 off a couple of overs and get that lead up around 400. But anyway, he went for 34. Cummins was then dropped a couple of times in the outfield, once by the subfielder, and they didn't make him pay because he was out uh, for eight off Matt Henry and uh, it's caught it slip. And then the last wicket to go was Mitchell Stark, bowled by Henry. For 12, so that was Australia all out for 164. Henry had a good game, took three for 36 to add to his 
five wicket haul. Phillips, 545. Southie, two for 46. Nathan Lyon, the top scorer, with 41. So Australia had lost six wickets for that session, and, and that's what's given New Zealand just a, a wee sniff of what would be a, a famous victory. My, my, it would be a famous victory if they could win tomorrow. Um, and then just before tea, though, there was a little nervous session for Young and Latham. Sorry, not Young and Latham. Um, for Latham and, yes, Young and Latham to negotiate before tea. And Latham just got out to a long hop offline, slashing at one court by Kerry. Disappointing dismissal, Adam. I think this really shows where Tom Latham is at at the moment. You know, he had a really lean series against a understrength South African side a few weeks ago. Um, he was poor against Bangladesh. His test form just hasn't been good recently. And I think it was just he, his, his eyes probably lit up and, and he just wanted to to get his innings going. And, and when, when you're out of form and you've got no luck on your side, a little bit like uh, Manish um, Labashain at the moment, you find the fielder or you don't execute that shot properly. And I mm. think that's just where he's at at the moment. Yep. So early wicket for Australia line, got the breakthrough. And I guess that was maybe – the one thing I took away when Glenn Phillips was running through Australia, well, I wonder how well Nathan Lyon will do on this track. And we saw not long after T, you know, just the classic Lyon dismissal, getting Kane Williamson caught at leg slip for just nine. That had New Zealand two for 35. Um, classic Lyon dismissal, Adam, bit of extra bounce, tucking Williamson up and they just moved Smith from a regular elation slip to a leg slip and, a good catch from him and uh, an unfortunate test match for Williamson. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think they really set up Williamson beautifully there. You know, we know that Williamson is, is such a good player through the offside and, and he's also a, a player that loves to tuck it off the hip as well. And, you know, he, he got a little blind, got a little bit of extra bounce and obviously the, the turn and, and they put, the player right in the in the in the right position. Um, I think it was a superb captaincy by 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 Pat Cummins, and, and obviously Williamson in this Test match has what he got nine nine runs in the whole whole match, and and on the other side Steve Smith thirty one. I mean I think between them they made less runs than what Nathan Lyon did in, in Australia's second inning. Isn't it crazy? You know, the, probably the two best batsmen of of this generation really struggled in this match. Yeah, absolutely. Smith has made up for it with his catching, though. Uh, but that was just that was classic line going around the wicket and um, getting a dismissal at leg slip. He, he does do that very well. So New Zealand two for thirty five, and then Will Young. Well, firstly Pat Cummins, bit of a masterstroke, brought Travis Head into the attack, and then Will Young um, edged one, and Smith took a spectacular catch to his left. Um, he started to go the other way initially, then he had to go back to his left, took it in one hand, and that had New Zealand three for 59. And, you know, it was a special catch because it took Smith to 182 test catches, which is now ahead of Mark Wall's 181. So he's now the sixth highest catcher in test history. There's just Root ahead of him on 192, Ponty on 196, Carlos on 200, Jay Wardner on 205, and Rahul Dravid on 210 catches. Uh, but that was a, a very good catch, um, low down, keeping his balance, um, top stuff. 
he's one of the best fielders in the world. Um, he's he's absolutely brilliant. And out of those 182 catches that he's got in his test career, I wonder how many incredible catches make up that list. Because, I mean, he's 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 one of the best, isn't he? I think that catch they yeah. took against India um, earlier last year was just out of out of this out of this world. Um, and he just continues to be able to pull off these catches. Obviously, he's, he's he's struggling a little bit with the bat, but I mean, in the field, he's just he's just top drawer. Yeah, indeed. And, you know, that was, um, you know, three quick wickets for Australia. And I was sort of thinking, and I, I sort of put it in our messages um, facetiously, but you know, maybe Australia could finish it off to, on the third afternoon. I thought we were a real chance when we got that wicket of maybe running through New Zealand and maybe taking the extra half an hour and, you know, we'd be reviewing the whole test match now. But instead, Ravindra and Daryl Mitchell batted it out. They took the score to three for 111. You know, they batted pretty slowly. They batted um, for 20 overs. Ravindra did most of the scoring. He's beautifully placed on 56, not out. Mitchell, 12, not out. And, yeah, in a good position, uh, you know, good partnership for them, saved a bit of face for New Zealand. Uh, but I thought it was, you know, could be all over today. Uh, but, yeah, good stuff from Ravindra because that shot in the first innings was pretty disappointing, but he's bounced back. Absolutely. Um, I guess in the circumstances, a poor shot, but I think a lot of these modern young batsmen love to play attacking shots um, and, and the ball is out there. Um, and again, he didn't execute it properly, but that catch by Nathan Lyon. Um, I obviously didn't, I didn't get a chance to talk to, with you yesterday, but that catch was incredible. Um, that was out of this world. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. Especially Nathan Lyon doesn't strike you as someone that would naturally be a, a great fielder, but he, he pulls off these spectacular moments, um, and that was another one of them. Um, so that was a, a, a special catch. But, um, you know, I, I think that's another thing about the Australian side is that their catching is just so, so good. And, you know, we've seen other teams drop vital catches at vital times, but Australia just never seemed to do that. Their fielding at the moment is, is, is top draw. Yeah, and really does make a difference. You know, you look at that catch from Southie last night, uh, the drop line, you know, you sort of add take that 40 runs from the scoreboard and all of a sudden, you know, the chase is low 300s and, you know, New Zealand are right back in the game. But so, so New Zealand need 258 more runs to win. Obviously, this is a vital partnership. Uh, Australia have burnt two reviews, so that means there's only one left for them tomorrow, so that could play a part. Adam, what's your prediction? To, to be honest, Australia in the in the box seat. It will take an extraordinary performance from New Zealand to win the, win this Test match, and I think Australia will win. I think New Zealand will put up a, a very strong fight, um, but I do expect Pat Cummins to have an impact in New Zealand's second innings. He's he's bowled well in this Test match, but he hasn't had those rewards that we're used to seeing Pat Cummins get. Um, so I fully expect Pat Cummins to come on and, and get a vital wicket. And I think from a New Zealand perspective, I think they have to start all over again tomorrow morning. Australia, Australian's bowlers are going to be uh, going to be fresh um, in, in the morning session. And I'd imagine they'd be, they'll come at New Zealand really hard. So from a New Zealand perspective, they've really got to get that uh, – Ravindra and Daryl Mitchell really got to get through that that first hour um, to kind of put some pressure on the Australian side. Um, I think if Australia take an early wicket, um, I think 
they really are in the box seat. Yeah, Steve Smith said after play that maybe the Hazelwood Cameron Green partnership in the first innings of 116 will be the decisive moment in the Test match, and it is actually shaping that way. If if maybe tomorrow afternoon we'll be looking and thinking, well, had they wrapped that up, there'd, there'd be a different result. Um, so you know, ifs and buts, but you know, maybe that's that's what's going to be the decisive moment. Uh, d- have you been disappointed because you weren't here yesterday? Um, you were spared my gloating, but. I'm going to do it right now. Um, you know, do, do you think there's something to New Zealand just being a little bit spooked when they come up against Australia? Um, I mean, I mean, that's a, I mean, it's a tough question. You know, I, I thought Australia bowled okay yesterday, but I've seen Australia bowl better than that. And there were some really freakish passages of play. Obviously, the Kane Williamson run out was ridiculous. And, you know, we saw Will Young strangled down the leg side, you know, the Nathan line catch that we talked about, um, a chop on by Latham. So there were some really kind of odd dismissals. And even from the Australian side, you know, we saw Steve Smith chop on, Manus strangled down the leg side. So it was just a really weird day of cricket. I'm not sure whether we're spooked um, as as much. I think the preparation going into this particular test match wasn't the highest it could have been. Um, New Zealand has come off a series against an albeit a, a very understrength South African side. And and when you come up against Australia, especially that Australian attack, it's constant pressure. You know, guys like Hazelwood just don't bowl bad deliveries. And the bowling, you know, 140 Ks an hour. So I think there's a, a bit of that. And and you could kind of see with even with that run out from Kane Williamson, he really just wanted to get off strike. Um and, and and get off get off the mark. So, is there a mental block against Australia? Possibly, but I think it's the fact that Australia are a, a very tough team to to beat, and they and the bowlers are always putting pressure on. Um, and I think the calibre of, of opposition that New Zealand's played recently aren't in the League of Australia. Well, thank you, Adam. Thanks for joining me after another tough day for New Zealand. Um, yeah, where can the listeners find your podcast? At Cricketeers NZ. Oh, so you knew it straight away this time. Um, <laughs> the first day you're fumbling around thinking, what is it? What is it? But anyway, thanks for joining me. It's been great to chat to you. Um, enjoy tomorrow. Um, I, hopefully we get a close contest um, and it's not over by lunch because I think uh, it's going to be all over very quickly. Listeners, thanks for tuning in and we'll be back tomorrow. This is a Piccolo Podcast production. Sports Social Podcast Network.